is one of the fastest growing career forces in the world today. There are so many issues in the healthcare field these days relating to nurses that simply are not discussed in the media. Welcome to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, exploring the world of nursing with Leanne Meyer. Our program will help you with the most relevant information if you're in the nursing field or are planning to enter the industry. Now, here is your host, Leanne Meyer. Welcome to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, Exploring the World of Nursing. And I want to introduce our sponsors uh, this week. We have Holly Blue Nurse Community App, which is for and about nurses. You will find on the app and on uh, .com, you will find uh, resume tools to help you stay organized, professional opportunities, community, and peer support. And that is www.hollyblue.com. Holly Blue is H-O-L-L-I-B-L-U. And it is a community where nurses thrive. You will love it. And also, we are sponsored by Kim Evans Institute for Integrative Medicine in Louisville, Kentucky, where they make you an active partner in your care for healing your mind, body, spirit, and soul. For information, contact www.integrativemedicine.com. For you.com. And the four is a numeral and you is just a you. Um, I hope that you will uh, check those out. You can also see their banners uh, if you go to my website, www.onceanurse.com, and right here on voiceamerica.com under health and wellness and my show. Uh, that will give you more specifics. So, our show today, this is our second last show before the end of the year of 2020. Um, I can hear everybody cheering. <laughs> um, I cannot, uh, the, the show's title is I Cannot Unsee What I Have Seen. And we'll talk about that in just uh, a little bit. What I wanted to say, there is not a conscious person on the planet who does not yet know that this has been a cruel and unusual year for nearly everyone. However, the people who have taken the biggest brunt of the load are healthcare workers and most deeply the nurses who stay at the patient's bedside 24-7. So the title of our episode is, I Cannot Unsee What I Have Seen, which is a quote from a nurse who spoke to my guest today, Darlene Nelson. Darlene is a legal nurse consultant who has been one of my lifelines to the frontline nurses and healthcare workers of Texas throughout this past year. We talked in early winter in 2019 about an episode regarding state boards of nursing that never happened. Instead, COVID happened. Darlene has a unique position in this pandemic in that she has both worked for over 30 years in many areas of hospital nursing, including a San Antonio academic level one trauma, comprehensive stroke and cardiac center, she is a student of detail and uses her vast experience and knowledge of the nurse, Texas nurse practice law to help nurses uh, who find themselves in disagreement with the Board of Nursing. Um, she has been a wonderful support to me, and um, uh, I am so happy to be able to welcome her here today. Darlene, can you share a brief bio of what has brought you to standing up for healthcare workers during the COVID-19 pan pandemic? 
Sure. Well, thank you so much for having me, Leanne. Nurses need a voice, and you provide one, and that is so rewarding. Really, what happened with me is my associate is a former Board of Nursing investigator, and she and a number of nurses and I came together initially just to attempt to bring about legislative change to how boards of nursing operate and to bring them some oversight. And that sort of, when COVID hit, we were hearing from a lot of nurses and primarily they were saying we feel dispensable. We have Mm -hmm. no PPE. We can't get workers' compensation if we're sick. And so then we decided to get more involved in advocating for nurses as they deal with this overwhelming soul-crushing event of COVID-19. And that's really how we got into it. One thing just led to the next. Well, and you have a lot of contacts, too, that the average nurse wouldn't. And I think, you know, like anything else, when you're in a crisis, all you can do is put one foot in front of the other and just try to deal with what's in front of you. But so, you know, dealing with getting a hold of somebody who might help make it better is just beyond your comprehension. So you are that that lifeline person. Um, can you talk a little bit about maybe what has happened? Well, first of all, let's let's start with um, who was the person that uh, mentioned to you, I cannot unsee what I've seen. What was the situation? Well, that's, no. we have a Facebook site called COVID-19 Protection for Nurses, and it was really just a site for nurses to have a safe place to go to talk and to share their feelings and their heart, and that was from a nurse who posted on our site. Interestingly, I also have seen that or heard that same phrase used by nurses on, for instance, CNN. It has gone viral, essentially. I mean, how better to describe the nurses daily seeing so much death and so much mm-hmm. suffering and feeling like there, there's nothing I can do. I'm powerless. They're dying and I can't fix it. And you feel and, terrible about it. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I'm just kind of thinking about, you know, a year ago at this time uh, was when I was kind of first getting more aware of what was happening in Wuhan, China. I didn't know at that time that probably their first cases started in um, maybe as early as September, for sure, into October. They were not even mentioning it into until into the end of November. And when they first started saying this is really bad and we're, we're worried, uh, was probably December. So at that point... Um, I was starting to think, okay, obviously this is going to, you know, if it's that big in China, it is going to go everywhere. And what are we doing? But it wasn't like, what do I need to do about it? It was just like, well, somebody out there, you know, better be looking out for this. Um, How would you say, what was healthcare like uh, a year ago, January 1st, a year ago? How would you describe it? Healthcare essentially was not, what it is now, healthcare and nursing has been forever changed because of COVID. Um, nurses may have experienced the day here and the day there where their emergency rooms or their ICU would become overwhelmed, but not day after day for nine months where they're knee-deep right. in patients who are trying to die on them. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think healthcare prior 
to uh, to COVID had was in crisis, and I think most nurses will tell you that ever since corporate healthcare took over uh, medicine and healthcare became for profit. The nurses no longer were able to focus so much on caring for the patient. It wasn't patient-centered anymore. It was Mm profit-centered. And attached to that profit, such as how quickly you can get your patient out of the emergency room was a point system, essentially, where nurses, if they failed to meet these metrics, were being disciplined uh, and the pressure was on. And the entire environment of nursing went from somewhat better to worse, where Mm -hmm. nurses now were feeling like they were just dispensable, that they were replaceable, that they were of very little value to the system. And then COVID hit, and things got a lot worse. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm wondering, uh, a lot of it, too, is that the problems were already there, the disconnections of communication, the lack of respect of employees for administration, vice versa, probably starting with administration. But um, it was all there. It was like a house of cards. And that's how I've uh, tried to describe it and how I've seen it. And I've, I've heard other people talk about it that way, too, that healthcare no longer was about health. It was about disease care, which is wait until somebody is really diseased and then let's see what we can do to fix them. And of course, at that point, it's most expensive. It is um, least effective and uh, most frustrating, particularly for a nurse who is caring about those patients, feeling like if only we could have helped this person 20 years ago to be healthy and stay healthy, they wouldn't even be here at this point. But again, for those corporate um, places where where money is the whole thing, um, that's a big problem because they want to make money and the money is at the end stage, not keeping them healthy. Um, So talk about um, one of the things that we had talked about before was magnet hospitals. And my only experience really with a magnet hospital was CentraCare in um, St. Cloud, Minnesota where both of my parents were um, taken care of. And I saw uh, the care before they became a magnet hospital and after. And it is like night and day difference. Can you talk about what a magnet hospital is and why that change would happen? Right. I was a magnet nurse for quite a few years at Excuse me, our lead trauma center and research center here in San Antonio called University Hospital of San Antonio. And MAGNET was a certification for hospitals that have to become certified. In order to do so, they have to provide a number of means of proof that they become a nurse friendly, a nurse supportive place. Because right. the theory of MAGNET is if your nurses are happy, then your patients will be happy. If you, if you have an environment that supports nurses, then nurses will come and patients will come. And the theory of magnet, which I really support, is that nurses are the primary caregiver, that nurses are at the bedside, that nurses are the ones that need a voice in healthcare. They need to be a member of the team and their voice needs to be respected. And there needs to be an avenue for them to do that. So Magnet has where you have to have regular committee meetings. You have to have regular meetings with the 
nurses in the CNO to express yourself and tell them what's going on on the unit. Safely. And the other big thing about Magnet that took away a great deal of fear is Magnet says, don't focus and blame the person, but look at the process. Where did the system break down? Where were their system errors and why did that error occur? Instead of focusing on the person, you focus on the system. Right. And that takes, uh, you know, people are going to be honest uh, if they know that they're not going to be um, uh, disciplined. And I hate that word. Uh, to me, every time I hear it, it feels like, uh, you know, parent-child kind of thing. And who, as an adult, wants to be treated like a child? And that's pretty much how yeah. nurses have been dealt with. And in hospitals in general, everything was from top down and authoritarian and, you know, uh, very, you know, very much levels of who has power. And the nurse was right near the bottom. So when did That's that start correct. to change? Because, um, you know, Magnet has been, you know, at least 20 years or more, do you think? And when did that start oh, to change? Well, I haven't heard much about Magnet over, especially the past five years. At one time, everyone, every hospital was trying to become a Magnet hospital. Right. And suddenly that dropped off. And I think that dropped off because corporate healthcare is not willing to pay for what it costs to get exactly. certified and accredited to be Magnet. Mm -hmm. And also, I don't really think that corporate hospitals want nurses to have a voice. Corporate medicine doesn't want nurses to be able to speak up and say, wait a minute, this is not how to do this, the patient's at risk, or this process within the hospital system is not working, it's leading to errors, it's leading to patient injury. Really, that's not a voice that the corporate medicine wants to hear. They just want you to do your job, and you're otherwise replaceable. Mm -hmm. Yep. I was just, uh, and I'm going to go probably into this a little bit later along the way as we go, but um, I just ran across an article um, this morning that uh, was from a person who reports for Forbes magazine. Uh, his name is Sachin H. Jane, and he made 10 predictions about what 2021 is going to be like. Um, one of the things that he talked about is just what we're saying, that... Um, that uh, these huge organizations who become uh, uh, linked to each other, uh, that becomes all about money. And so uh, the magnet organizations are expensive. And you mentioned that also. And so they have not wanted to go that direction and they want to have all of the control in you know, a central place. So you you may have an organization, a corporation that has, you know, anywhere from 10 to hundreds of hospitals within, you know, their realm. And as smaller hospitals were uh, fumbling or stumbling and dying out, the larger organizations were uh, eating them up. So that becomes uh, a problem because, again, at the at the local level, that uh, individual hospital no longer can be the entity that it had been, but becomes just, you know, an arm, like an, an octopus arm of the larger organization. And again, the, the nurses get removed from those people who make decisions and so have less say about um, what they're going to do. So we have to, as um, I, especially as nurses, I think, and also as um, 
just citizens of the United States, we have got to say this has to stop because it's not in our interest. It's not in the patient's interest. It is certainly not in the nurse's interest. Any thoughts about that? Do you want to add to that? You know, what comes to mind is I think we've all heard, or at least every nurse has heard, that the third leading cause of death in the United States is preventable medical error. Mm-hmm. That is a number that skyrocketed around 2014 when corporate health care became the norm, where hospitals were being eaten up to become consumed by part of a health care system that was corporately owned. And I really believe that the new focus on for-profit being so competitive, limiting resources, overworking nurses, understaffing nurses has led to more bad outcomes and more patient errors and patient injury. So that's the bottom line, isn't it? That it all comes Mm -hmm. down to the patient. It's not just about we as nurses want more respect or, you know, if you ask nurses, they've done surveys and they ask them what is the number one thing you want, they don't say money. They say mm-hmm. respect. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think they want to that be heard. when you look at, right, when and because they have something to say, they have something very valuable to say. They hear, see, and feel the patient. They're there the entire shift, both, you know, 12 hour shifts. Mm-hmm. And more often than not, nurses have gut feeling. They know what's going on with the patient, they know what's best for yeah. them. Exactly. They've seen it. They've experienced it. There's just kind of a sense that they have that somebody who is not at the bedside constantly is not going to have. Um, I just was on a, a Zoom meeting on Saturday, and there were two physicians that were on there. Actually, I meant to mention this earlier, and I forgot, so I'll put it in here. Uh, these two physicians uh, were involved in uh, at Cornell University, excuse me, Cornell Hospital in New York City. And what they were observing was the nurses. Um, They started to realize that in every crisis situation, it was the nurses who were running in. It started like firemen toward the fire. Um, You know, maybe they got their PPE on. Maybe they, you know, weren't able to. But their focus was the patient. And everybody else was standing back behind walls or, um, you know, two-way mirrors or glass or some way trying to protect themselves. But the nurses were the mm-hmm. ones that were always going right to the the stress point. And and their 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 position was, how can I help this patient? What can I do in this minute? How can I think fast? Use you know comb all of my my brain circuits for how I've you know what I've seen in the past and what can I do here and that's what nurses have had to do because nothing about COVID is normal right Um, do you want to talk about that what it is like to be a nurse at the bedside and trying to figure out how to handle these especially uh, mention also the the level of patients that nurses are now taking Um, You bring to mind something that I heard over and over again. I heard it so much I had to start believing it. What nurses have been telling us is that physicians, for instance, are not getting the same degree of exposure to COVID patients because a physician can stand at the doorway and talk to a patient. Mm -hmm. He doesn't Mm -hmm. have to be in close contact. That physicians were not going in the room. That when a patient was coding or arresting, nurses run in the room. Nurses are within inches of that patient because that's where nursing care occurs. Mm -hmm. 
right? Real close mm-hmm. to the patient. Exactly. And nurses and RT are having this massive viral exposure, viral load, and yet physicians really are not. And that may explain why there are so many. There's more than 2,000 nurses who have died from COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, that might explain that. But even in the day of COVID, nurses, their first instinct is to help the patient, to rush in there, to begin CPR, whatever they have to do. That's not so easy when you have to put PPE on, which mm-hmm. actually, to, if you've ever donned and doffed PPE, it's quite time-consuming, mm-hmm. very frustrating when all you want to do is get in there and care for the patient. Um, and the other big issue that we hear a lot about is that at one time, an average ICU nurse would have two patients at a time. Mm-hmm. Now with COVID, they're having anywhere from six to eight patients at a time, which is unmanageable. Any ICU nurse will tell you there's no way you can take care of six to eight ventilated patients who have drips and are on dialysis and some are on ECMO. You can't do it. So mm-hmm. care is beginning to fall through the cracks. Mm-hmm. Patients are beginning to suffer, and it's because the load is overwhelming. Now, there's an answer to that. We recently dealt with a hospital that was having two nurses for a 26-bed community emergency room that sees a lot of COVID. <sighs> two nurses, no tech. Their average staff used to be six nurses. Now it's down to two because everybody's quit. That's the real reason. And they asked, why can't you hire agency? And they were told because they're too expensive. Yeah. Death, I guess, is less expensive, huh? Yeah. Yeah. And doesn't that tell you everything? That that corporate mindset, that set of nurses are dispensable is still with us even in this pandemic, even in this time where nurses really are the heroes, that they really are carrying the load. Can't someone help to ease that load, at least their boss, their employer? Can't they help? And and that should be the main job of those bosses. Everything else, the cost of it, you deal with that later. You don't deal with it in the midst of the crisis. Um, So one of the things to... um, Oh, I lost my train of thought here. Uh, the two people I started to talk about it, my brain keeps going off. I'm so frustrated with this. I think that's what's happening for me is my brain is going faster than than my mouth can go. Um, <laughs> the two doctors were Mark Shiffington and Tamitha Fernston. And they um, were watching all of this, the nurses doing all this. They also were watching nurses at the bedside, especially at the time of death. They wanted to have at least somebody be there when the person was dying, if at all possible. And so they were you know, coming up with these ideas about uh, iPads and all these different things. And... Um, uh, so what uh, Mark and Ta- or Dr. Shiffington, Dr. Fernston were realizing is if there could be a simpler way where the nurse doesn't have to be physically there for the patient to be able to talk with their family. Um, so they came up with an idea, which is a little one-way speaker, and they made a little um, uh, package for it so that it can be hooked onto the bedside, um, the side of the bed. And uh, through an app, the family, any time, day or night, any family member can can go in on that app and talk to their loved one. 
um, and it's a one-way thing, so they can't hear what's going on in the room. Um, but they can sing, they can pray, they can talk to this individual. And so they have it out on a website now, and it's called uh, voicelove.org. And please go out and take a look at it. It's very inexpensive. Um, they have been even giving away as much as they can. Um, I know that one of the doctors had mentioned um, that they had talked to a CEO in another state and had offered, they ha happened to have three that hadn't been counted for yet. And they said, we would give you these to help out your nurses. And the CEO said, no, we have iPads. We don't need those. So mm -hmm. no registration of how much time it takes for nurses to stand there at the bedside with that iPad, with that, those loved ones. And then the loved ones are in a situation of, oh my gosh, what if I missed that nurse's call? You know, maybe it's just one person, the wife or, you know, um, some uh, parent. Um, but then the other family members don't get that opportunity to be able to have that important, you know, last end of life um, experience. So, you know, it's like there are things like this that people are coming up with, but organizations are not willing to grab onto them because for whatever reason, they don't want to do it. So I think... Uh, I wanted to talk a little bit. We're coming up a, against a break here pretty quick, and, and maybe we should take it here now, because when we come back, I'd like to talk about what can we do, because there's been so much right. in the last nine months that feels like we can't do, so what can we do? And um, I would love to have people call in. Um, you will get that on the voice message when they bring us back in. Um, give us a call. Tell us what your ideas or thoughts are. Um, what have you innovated that has worked um, uh, at the bedside? So this is Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, Exploring the World of Nursing. And I am Leanne Meyer. I'm here today with my actually good, good friend now is um, uh, Darlene Nelson. I have to find my paper here. Um, we're talking about what I cannot see, what I've seen, which is a, a phrase that nurses have been saying. And Darlene is a legal nurse consultant who has been one of my lifelines to the frontline nurses and healthcare workers of Texas throughout the past year. Um, we've had a stimulating discussion about some of the frustrations that are uh, being that nurses are having to deal with, in addition to dealing with the trauma of the patients they care for. So we will be back in just a couple of minutes, and we will be ready to. Uh, see what we can think about going forward. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. WomenInHealthCare.org, a national nonprofit, is our newest partner at Once a Nurse. It is among the most rapidly growing professional development groups for women in healthcare today. Through healthcare education, professional development, mentorship, community, and a focus on self, the organization empowers women with the tools needed to advance their careers. They use initiatives to break down barriers within organizations and equip women with the tools needed to open a powerful force for gender parity. 
80% of the healthcare workforce is female, with nurses a massive majority of that percentage. But less than 20% of leadership is female. Join womeninhealthcare.org as they help all women of all ages and all levels rise up. Use code HEALTHPROS to receive $50 off the annual membership fee and receive discounted pricing for events, free resources, webinars, and a substantial discount for our annual Leadership Summit on October 22, 2020. Womeninhealthcare.org to be where you want to be in the world of healthcare. Hey nurses, what would you say is the hardest part about being a nurse? Well, most of you would say it's putting everyone else's needs before our own, which means not enough time for self-care. And this is why Holly Blue has created a peer support and community app just for nurses, so you can take care of you. Holly Blue is the ultimate nurse app to help you connect with local nurses, organize your nurse life in one place, restore your love for nursing, and empower you to thrive in a field that needs you. Want to see how it works? Student nurses, nurses, and retired nurses can download this free app on the App Store Google Play now. Just type in H-O-L-L-I-B-L-U or go to hollyblue.com to start connecting. A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health & Wellness. Listening to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, exploring the world of nursing with host Leanne Meyer. To reach the program today, please call 1 866 472 5792. That's 1 866 472 5792. You may also send an email to leannevoiceamerica at gmail.com. Now, back to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse. Welcome back to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, Exploring the World of Nursing. Our episode today is I Cannot Unsee What I Have Seen. And this is what we're hearing from nurses all across the country uh, that are traumatized by the experiences they've had, not just with dealing with overwhelming numbers of patients that, you know, perhaps in an ICU you might have one or two codes, you know, a shift or a week or whatever, these are happening every five minutes in, in many of these places, and it's it's just impossible. So they just feel overwhelmed and unable to really do what they do best. So um, my guest today is Darlene Nelson. She is a legal consultant, nurse consultant, who has been one of my lifelines to the frontline nurses and healthcare workers throughout this whole year. Um, we were talking about some of the frustrations and I want to go into some of the positives, but actually Darlene and what she does with her company is one of the positives. So Darlene, can you tell us what you do and how you, how you do it and what more we can do to help nurses going forward? Right. We have, first of all, we have a, uh, organized business that is myself and a former board of nursing investigator as well as an APRN and a couple other nurses that help us. And we can be reached at www.expertnurseconsultants.com or we have a uh, Facebook page that is COVID-19 protection for Texas nurses, but we are hearing from nurses from all over the nation on that so what do we do? First of all, we have been trying to work with the legislator to legislation to make changes for nurses, and that's a slow, drawn-out process. One of the I'll give you some examples of one of the things that we advocate for nurses 
we recently had a nurse who was terminated at work um, for reasons that were just not true, but she was terminated. So she contacted us, and we did the research, and we had her request a peer review, and we prepared her to go into the peer review and gave her a script so she could defend herself, and they offered her job back to her. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so career saved. Uh, yeah. Another uh, recent occurrence was I woke up one morning to a bunch of texts from a hospital where nurses, and they sent me pictures, where nurses were wearing garbage bags uh, in order for PPE, and mm-hmm. they were overwhelmed, and they were desperate. So we approached the legislature, the city or the state's uh, House of Representatives, and we did a little bit of reaching out to state bodies, and the next day, however that came about, they had PPE. Interesting. Now, 24 are, hours later. Those are things, yeah, that's, those are things nurses can do themselves. Nurses, one, are too overwhelmed, and two, they fear for their job. Mm-hmm. They, so we'll do it. Call us. We'll do it. We'll do what we have to do. If you've been mistreated at work, if you've been reported to the board, if you don't have PPE, contact us, and we'll find a way to make a way. Mm-hmm. So give that information again, how they get a hold of you, in case somebody just turned on now. Our website is www.expertnurseconsultants.com, and our Facebook site is Protection or Wait a minute. COVID-19 protection for Texas nurses. Mm-hmm. And you are open to having people from other states contact you. Yes, we uh, we started out just working with Texas nurses, and now we've helped, I think it's around 20-some-odd. We've only been doing this for a year. 20 nurses, um, either from job problems or from being reported to the board, from around five different states. Okay. Um, so are you aware of any other organization like this that is looking out for nurses? You know, I'm not, even though there just has to be. Um, I do know of a couple people who tried to do this kind of thing in Texas and ended up not being successful. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure why. Maybe it's the current climate. Maybe it's because nurses are at the point where they're just ready to do whatever it takes. I don't know. But Mm -hmm. we're having success. You know, maybe we're just blessed. Great. Well, I think blessings, you create your fortune. I I really believe that. And you've (laughs) you've certainly put out a lot of cause to be able to have this effect coming back at this time. And and, uh, it certainly is. So this is kind of in line with what I've been thinking, too, as far as what we need to do going forward. I think nurses really tend to think of themselves as just this unit, this department, this hospital, this, you know, state, whatever it is that we're thinking about. But we need to remember there are almost 4 million of us in the United States and nearly 20 million in the world, or it could even be more than that because different countries count their nurses differently. Um, so to me, this is our opportunity. This is our time to step up and be heard because people are seeing more of us than they ever have before. They're starting to get just an inkling, especially if it's been their loved ones that have been 
uh, in these ICUs or EDs, uh, emergency departments or um, different places. So how how would what are, let's just brainstorm, I guess, what are some ways that you can think of that we can bring nurses together and and you already have with your um, Facebook page. Um, I know of two others that um, are out there, and I know that there's probably a ton of other ones beyond that. So the ones I know are hollyblue.com, which is one of our sponsors. And another one was started about five to six years ago uh, by Janie um, Garner, and she has a a Facebook page that's called um, Show Me Your Stethoscope. And that's 640,000 nurses on that. Um, you know, with Holly Blue, with my uh, uh, listeners, it's almost a million right there. So what what can we do to bring us together and utilize the power that we really do have? You know, I think the word collective, coming together collectively comes to mind, except I don't mean unions. Um, I'm not necessarily pro or against unions, but I'm not sure that because we have so many states that are right-to-work states, that that's going to be effective. And I really don't know the answer other than organizations like mine and the ones that you ones you just mentioned, we need to come together, and we need to kind of join our resources. And nurses somehow, some way, need to find a way to maximize this moment this moment of COVID-19 where the whole world knows what nurses are going through, where nurses are on the front page, they're on CNN, everybody knows that nurses are the ones carrying the load. How do we translate that into now we want administration to begin to offer us respect, help us protect our patients, listen to us and give us a voice? How do we do that? How do we come against the culture of fear? Most nurses would tell you that hostels have a culture of fear. Either Mm -hmm. they are intimidated and threatened by physicians. They'll call a doctor in the middle of the night because the patient is deteriorating and the doctor will just slam the phone in their ear. And they have no resource to say, wait a minute, this is Mm -hmm. wrong. My patient is circling the drain. Or they have the culture of fear of being retaliated against for speaking up by their administration or even being reported to the Board of Nursing. That has Mm -hmm. to stop. Yeah. Yeah, so we need to go back to the whole philosophy of magnet uh, hospitals. Um, and, And more than that, too. You know, we have so many more educated nurses. Our APRN nurses, advanced practice uh, RNs are able to do uh, on, on many levels, and not in all states, but in probably most states, are able to do a level closer to uh, the, the work that a doctor is doing. But their tendency is to come at it from the viewpoint of a nurse, which is to start with the patient and work outward. Um, I talked to an APRN nurse just last week. Um, And she was talking about that her initial uh, interview with a patient is never less than 90 minutes. I can't think of, you know, a clinic where you could go and have 90 minutes of a doctor's time while they really find out all of your history, not not even just your your health history. Um, That's where nurses are coming from, is they want to know all of the patient so that... um, Mm -hmm. 
as they're treating, they're not just looking for what are the symptoms, what are the things that are blatantly out there, but what's behind it and what, what, how does the patient or the person need to be supported? And that's what I'd like to see is, you know, maybe it's starting clinics with APRNs and nurses um, joining together to create that kind of health care um, if it isn't out there. And because we do have, uh, you know, that magnet status, maybe that needs to come back to the fore. Um, I don't know what will happen with all these hospitals that have huge debt now because of so many hospitals in their organization, um, whether they will back off of their business plan and say, you know, maybe we need to spend more money on this end of it so that we have better outcomes on the back end of it. Um, and for sure, they have to understand that, that nurses are their product. You know, if you have a large hospital, certainly there's all the other people, and, and I haven't mentioned them because my focus has been on nurses, but, you know, doctors, lab, respiratory, um, PT, OT, uh, even nutrition services, house, did I say housekeeping? I really can't say enough about <laughs> housekeepers. They're the ones that are right in there in that, you know, very um, difficult situation too with the nurses and trying to keep things as clean as possible. We couldn't survive without them, um, you know, and right. so many others. So we have to look at it from the standpoint, it is, it has to start with the patient and the next area that we support has to be the nurse. I think of it like in a family where, you know, it's been a couple and they're maybe, you know, fairly equal and divide up, you know, whatever needs to be done. And then they have a baby. And all of a sudden that mother is 100% responsible for human life. And that is draining in every way you can possibly think of. And what she's needing is not only her husband or partner or um, whoever is with her, but her extended family that are all focused on supporting her. So all she needs to do is just take care of that, that baby. That's what we need in nursing is where every single right. eye is focused on what does the nurse need now and how do I get it to her before she even knows she needs it. So that's kind of part of my thinking. Um, what are some other things that we can do? I mean, I know that there's a lot of people who are becoming entrepreneurs. And uh, is that a way that, that nurses can find a new way uh, to be effective and share their experience and their wisdom? I mean, you did that. Well, I did that because... Because I'd had enough, and I am retired now. And part of the reason I was retired was because I had a very bad experience with the last hospital I worked with that falsely accused me, and it was really quite ridiculous. But it occurred after I had reported a physician who was abusing mm -hmm. anabolic steroids and abused a patient, and that patient ended up suffering a cardiac arrest. It was really quite something I had to say something. I had to report it, but then, of course, there was retaliation, um, and that that prompted me, and that made me want to take what was bad and make it good, and since then, that's just been my focus, and it has blossomed. Now, I would rather not see nurses leave the bedside. Mm -hmm. Nurses right now are saying that they are, once COVID's over, they're gone. This is it. Mm -hmm. They've had enough. Mm -hmm. We don't want that. 
We don't want that because our experienced nurses are a rare commodity these days. Mm-hmm. And soon many of them are going to retire. We have to save the nursing workforce. And and I, I really don't know. I know the answer's out there, but I don't know how to get a hold of the mindset of hospital corporations, CNOs, CEOs, directors. I don't know how to have them hear us. Uh, I we'll do. find a way. I do. I really feel like um, nurses have got to vote with their feet. If you are in a situation where you're not feeling supported, where you are not uh, taken care of, where you do not have sufficient uh, PPE, which is your life, it is protecting your life. If you don't feel that you have that in the organization that you are in, you know, talk to other nurses and find out where there are organizations that do, because there are many, many, I don't know, you know, millions, but thousands of organizations across the country. I've talked to the CEOs, I've talked to the CNOs, chief nursing officers, and they are amazing at, at how they really, you know, believe and understand. Um, I recently had uh, Roseanne Rosso and um, uh, Linda Valentino on from the, you know, uh, center of the COVID, where they started in, in um New York, uh, back in March and April. Um, and there, what they did, I mean, they were staying at the hospital 24 hours a day, four weeks at a time, um, to make sure that they could make rounds. They were updating nurses on everything new that was coming in. They were trying to, you know, um, uh, work out any problems. Uh, we're low on linen. We're, we need food. Nobody can go and take a break. Um, you know, all those different things. It's like running an army. And those CNOs were there. So there are places that do have this philosophy. And that's what nurses need to do is, you know, we need to be talking to each other and finding out where is that place that is going to support me as a nurse to be the best nurse I can be. Um, right. And go. You know, turn in your resignation and go. Because we have, I feel like there's maybe never been a time in history that nurses have been more in the driver's seat than we are now. And we may not get another opportunity. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right that nurses need, and we need to figure this out, they need to be able to go to a source where they can where they can hear where are the good hostels and where are the bad hostels. I know when it comes to Texas, I can pretty well tell you which hostels are good hostels and what hostels are not good hostels. Mm-hmm. Um, and that needs to be, it needs to be a database or it needs to be something where nurses can just access that information. Now, I mean, really that information is somewhat available when you look at the leapfrog or you look at even the CMS reporting, um, but I'm not sure that they address enough about nurse empowerment and nurses' ability to have a voice for their patient. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, truly, uh, it's it's the old thing. You know, if if uh, if the woman in the house is not happy, the family is not happy, and yeah. and. <laughs> 80-some percent of nurses are that woman in the house, but also the men that are in that role feel the same way. Um, you right. know, we have got to, I feel like if we're meeting the nerds of needs of nurses, we are meeting the needs 
of the patients. And if we're meeting the patient's needs, we are going to have a much healthier uh, citizenry in the United States uh, for longer periods of time. Um, maybe those corporate leader business type people need to go somewhere else and make money off of widgets instead of off of people. <laughs> so that's that's kind of my thinking there. Um, we're coming to a point where I like to have my guests um, really just put out there whatever is the most important message that you want to give. And you've actually got a period of time here to use if you want to. Um, if, if things were... Uh, if you were queen of the world and you could solve all of these problems, maybe your Florence Nightingale returned to, to help us all out here. Um, what do you want the world and the world's nurses particularly to know? Well, that's a big question, isn't it? I think mm -hmm. that what the world needs to know is nurses tend not to speak up because they're afraid to. But I think the veil has been somewhat drawn back with COVID-19, and the world is now aware that, for instance, nurses are still, to this day, nine months into COVID, they're going into their workplace without appropriate PPE. So mm -hmm. what I hear is I feel like I'm going on a suicide mission. Mm -hmm. I think that what needs to happen and what we need to grab a hold of the, uh, mo the momentum that we have now is that nurses need to be able to come together with, I guess, to the table, you could say, though not, again, unionized, with management, and be able to have management that will hear the message, if you treat us right, if you listen to us, if you give us resources, if you give us a voice, your patients will do better. Exactly. And healthier, when we can avoid failures to rescue, when we can avoid preventable deaths just by things that I as a nurse can tell you. I know how that could have been stopped. I can tell you how that could have been prevented. If they would just listen to us, I think in the end they would do better. Mm -hmm. I absolutely of agree. Instead this us against them type of attitude. I'm, I haven't got my head wrapped around yet how to do that on a national basis. Mm -hmm. I do know the small bit that that we can do is any nurse can call us for any reason, even if you just, you know, I talk to nurses at all hours of the night mm -hmm. who are just at the point where they can't go on. They, they right. just feel like I can't do this anymore. Um, or they can reach out to us if they're feeling that they're being retaliated against or mistreated at work or they've been mm -hmm. maliciously reported to the board or they've been reported to the board and it is not true or it's not completely true, it's somewhat overblown, whatever. Or maybe they did it. Maybe they made a mistake. And we need to figure out, one, how they can learn from it, but to help them walk through the process of going through a board disciplinary action. And we're there from the beginning to end for them. Mm -hmm. That's my small piece of of what we and Maggie Ortiz, my um, associate, and I are doing. It's getting bigger. Is it going to catch on? I don't know. It's going to depend on, on nurses and those people who love and support nurses. So anybody who still has a mind that hasn't turned to mush uh, whether that's their family members or whatever, we need to call our legislators. That's one thing that we can do. 
we need them to understand that we are not going to stand for um, uh, nurses being treated this way. And what I see happening, and you know, is the great fear, is that our healthcare could go right down the tubes. So that's everything. Right. You know, when you have uh, a broken leg, you go to the hospital and you assume there's going to be people there to take care of you. And, you know, you have a stroke, you assume that the ambulance is going to pick you up and take you to people who knew, know what to do about that. Um, as, as wonderful as, you know, doctors and some of the other people that contribute to that, they don't have the numbers that nurses are. That is, it's like one thing about giving an order. It's a whole nother thing of carrying that order out. You know, it can right. take many steps, um, you know, from getting the order written down, getting, you know, uh, a laboratory person to come, getting the medication that you need, setting up an IV can take time. There's a thousand different steps that have to happen, and that's the nurse who does it. Um, we, we have to keep these nurses afloat. And, you know, everybody's you ideas are great. What? The one ahead, thing Jen. that you mentioned that I, most nurses, I'm not sure that they know how or it just seems overwhelming, but I can tell you if you're, for instance, not being provided with sufficient PPE, because there is sufficient PPE, I'll, I'll tell you right now, we contacted our uh, Texas House of Representatives who happened to represent San Antonio. That's the city that we were con concerned about, as well as El Paso and a couple others. He, we told him, listen, our nurses don't have PPE. They're not being given N95s, which is the mask that prevents you against COVID. Well, he went out to the federal warehouse that is in every big city, and he sent us pictures. It is stuffed hmm. full of supplies. They're there. Wow. Why hospitals are not, they're free. We don't understand what's going on there. Just like this other hospital I mentioned that the nurses were wearing garbage bags, it turned out that they themselves had a warehouse. The hospital themselves had a warehouse that was full of PPE. They were hoarding it. Hmm. I don't know what the rationale is behind that, but my point being, reach out to your city's representatives. Just Google, what you know, Ohio uh, House of Representatives, and then look up your city and just email them. They have their emails and tell them, and I promise you, you'll hear from them, and they can act, and if they have to, they'll go to the governor. Exactly. Well, we do have to end here, unfortunately. So um, I do want to thank you so very much for coming on, and this has been um, uh, our episode of I Cannot Unsee What I've Seen, and my guest is Darlene Nelson, legal nurse consultant. And uh, she has been helping people in Texas and many other states, too. So thank you, Darlene. I want to do one finishing um, uh, sentence here, if I've got the time here. Um, the world has been living, hearing, dreaming, nothing but COVID-19 for what seems like forever. We may continue to live this reality for a long time to come, depending on the decisions we each make now. The important thing is that in the absence of strong, courageous leaders, we must figure out what we can do and then do it. The most important thing in we as a world population must do is to learn from all of the successes and mistakes 
that have been made on every level in every country and plan a viable way to turn the poison of these mistakes into the medicine of equitable solutions that bring every person forward rather than just the wealthiest. That is what creates a sustainable future for us all. That is what we need nurses the world over to stand up and demand. For perhaps the first time ever, nurses are in the driver's seat because without nurses, there is no health care. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, exploring the world of nursing with your host, Leanne Meyer. Be sure to join us again next Monday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have a productive and insightful week.